Welcome to season two of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready for an amazing act two? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get your new beginning started. It is so fun to be with you after dark. I know, I realized you and I, we haven't had a heart-to-heart, just the two of us, in months. I think it's been since last July. We've just been so busy having fun, talking about love and toys and sex and the red room and dating and so many more delicious life after divorce topics. But it is time for us, you and me, to have a date night and get intimate. Emotionally intimate, that is. Plus, I always have the best conversations after dark. I mean, don't you? And I'm always more creative at nighttime too. So we're going to have so much fun together tonight. I'm so excited. Okay, picture this. You and I are at my favorite dive bar in Minneapolis. It's this really kitschy place. They have bras on the wall and they play bingo and they have this terrible karaoke and sometimes even meat raffles. I know, it's just so Minnesotan. Wait, I'm thinking about this. It's going to be too loud. It's going to be it's going to be too loud and we're not going to be able to hear each other well. So that's no good. I think you should pick the place. What are your ideas? Ooh, a spicy cocktail lounge. Look at you over there. I love that idea. That also means that I can wear this black jumpsuit that I've been waiting to wear forever, but it's backless. And so it's it's taken me a long time to find just the right bra, but I finally have found the right bra. You know how that works. Oh, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know, but I'm going to wear that tonight. I'm going to wear my black jumpsuit. This is going to be fun. Okay. So we're at the spicy cocktail lounge and I have my black jumpsuit on and my hair is really excellent extra big and probably have a red lip, a nice red lip. And what are you in? Oh, I bet you're in that outfit that always makes you feel confident and relaxed and maybe even a little bit lucky. I mean, you never know who we're going to run into at that cocktail lounge, right? So we've had our first drink. Mine was a whiskey sour. It's my signature drink. And we're both, we're both feeling loose and playful, which makes it the perfect time to open up. Sadie, how are you really doing, you ask? And I start by saying, it's been a journey. I mean, everyone has had a journey that, that gets them to where they are today. And if we start at the beginning of mine, something that has always followed me my whole life and has impacted my relationships, romantic or otherwise, is that I was raised to be such a good girl. A good Midwestern girl whose father was a Lutheran pastor and who was constantly told by society that in order to find happiness, I had to get married and of course have sex and only vanilla sex after marriage. So for the extent of my 20s, that's what I focused on, being that kind of woman that would get me to the altar, you know? Ironically, I didn't even get married till I was 34, so I was one of those Midwestern geriatric brides, the ones that people are so relieved to finally see married. I know, I waited 34 years to finally get my ticket to happiness, and then 10 years after that, I had to accept that marriage 
was not that ticket to happiness. But honestly, and I can say this because I've had my whiskey sour tonight, I didn't even fully understand at that time, three and a half years ago when I was going through my divorce, why I really wasn't happy. I just blamed my ex because that was just so much easier. Maybe this sounds familiar to you. But what I've learned by, well, for one, doing a podcast about happiness and just my own internal work is that happiness is such an inside job. Nobody tells you that. The messages we get is that happiness is always outside of us, but it's so not. I've finally figured that out. I know I feel so happy. I feel so happy that I've figured out how I really can find happiness in my life. I know, let's raise a glass to that. But it's not easy, right? I mean, some days, and I want to know what you think too, but I just want someone else to make me feel good. I just want something else outside of me to bring me that happiness. And it can for moments. I can have a a good day based on a sale that I make at work or a fun text I get from someone I'm dating. And that can bring me some happiness. But ultimately, I know at the end of the day, it's all about what I'm thinking about myself and how I'm feeling about my life. And sometimes, honestly, since we're truth telling here after dark, I wish I didn't have to have such a stake in my own happiness. Some days I just want my happiness to be easier. I know if only happiness was consistent like a vibrator, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be so amazing. But lately I'm just going to own it. I have not been investing the way I should be investing into my happiness. I've been, I've been looking outside of myself more for happiness and that just never serves me well. It actually, it actually gets me stuck in these old patterns, these old Sadie patterns, the looking outside of myself for happiness patterns. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it's made me realize I have to get back. I have to get back to that honeymoon stage that I was in when I was freshly divorced that honeymoon stage where I was just I was just so in love with myself and so in love with life. It was such a cool place to be. And I was I was so into me during my honeymoon stage. I was so like, look at you, Sadie, so fresh and sparkly after divorce. Girl, you look good, girl. I loved time by myself, staring out the window, listening to Lionel Richie, eating a clementine orange, doing nothing. And not feeling anxious because I was doing nothing. I was I was feeling giddy because I was doing nothing. Yeah, so lately, yeah, I haven't felt very fresh and sparkly. I've, I feel more tired and stressed. And I can tell I'm just giving my power to so many things outside of me. I'm just giving my happiness to so many things outside of me, to outcomes and and to results and, and to relationships. And all of that is just depleting my spirit. So I just know I have to get back to the basics again, like I did in my honeymoon stage. I mean, I just, I just need to fall in love with myself again, like I did when I was freshly divorced. Now you, you look confused and you ask me sheepishly, Sadie, what's a honeymoon stage? As you sip on your, I think it's now your second cocktail. Oh, the honeymoon stage. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And I, I feel these goosebumps just talking about it with you. You know, the honeymoon stage. Okay. The best metaphor that I can use for the honeymoon stage after divorce. It's like, it's like being on top of the mountain. And you know, the journey to get to the top, it's intense. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain or hiked up a mountain, but it's, it can be exhausting. But then you finally get to the top and you feel so amazing and you feel so unstoppable and you feel so damn proud of yourself and you just want to scream, look at me, I made it, I made it to the mountain, to the top of the mountain, I did it, I can do anything. You know, the honeymoon stage, it's where you you just adore yourself 
and your life and all the boring shit that you do every day. It just feels magical. And my honeymoon stage after my divorce, it was when I just, I just really loved simple things and I didn't need to have 5 million goals to be happy. I was just so in love with myself for just being alive and breathing. It was such a freeing time. My honeymoon stage after my divorce was when I really understood what it meant to unconditionally love myself. And part of that unconditional love, loving myself, was allowing me to be a sexual being. And that's when I had my sexual renaissance. And I know I've told you about my sexual renaissance, but it's so fun to talk about. We have to talk about it after dark because it's such a spicy conversation. I mean, especially for a recovering good girl like me, because in my 20s, when it came to sex, and I don't know about you, maybe you didn't have that experience, but I just focused on my partner being pleased because that's what good girls did. I mean, I just wanted someone to love me. So if I could make this other person happy in every way, including sexually, then he would wife me up and then I would be accepted by society as a virtuous married woman. But during my sexual renaissance, I threw that virtue out the window and out the door and I chose. I chose to be bold and have so much delicious, naughty fun instead And I will say, I mean, you can tell, right? And this isn't just because I've been having my cocktails with you, but sex after divorce, it has been the ultimate Baskin Robbins experience. I mean, I have tried all the flavors. I have had all the samples. I have indulged in all the ways. And oh my God, thank God. Because through all of that sampling (laughs) that I have done in the last three and a half years, I have realized just how delicious and satisfying sex really is. It's so freeing to be a sexual being, isn't it? It's so freeing to say out loud on a date with you in this lovely, delicious cocktail lounge that we're enjoying that I love sex and I love being kinky. Like, I love being kinky. I mean, when I was married, I didn't even know what kink was. And now now I know that there are like thousands of ways to be kinky. It's so delicious, isn't it? I know. I'm going to have another drink of my cocktail. And since you asked about the honeymoon stage, I also have to share that the honeymoon stage was a time when I did not take dating so seriously, which is something that I had never really done before. I know you might not believe this about me, but prior to divorce, I took myself pretty darn seriously in many areas of my life. But during my honeymoon stage, I was just having so much fun in the moment. I mean, being in the moment with no expectations on a date is the most amazing experience. Well, that and having multiple orgasms with two gorgeous men in the room. But but that's a different story for another date night. I know, I'm such a tease. So yeah, all of that, all of that to say that I want to fall in love with me again. Well, I definitely caught your attention with that last comment. And so you look at me with this very sly grin on your face and say, well, what else do you want, Sadie? I love it. You're so playful. Well, first of all, I want a third cocktail. So um, excuse me, can we have another round for the table? Wonderful. Okay, well, you know what else I really want? And I, I know this is all connected to the falling in love with myself again and and finding happiness within, but I... I really want and I'm ready to receive. And I do not mean that only in the bedroom, okay? I'm I'm ready to receive from someone else what I'm able to give. I was always taught that in order to get love, you have to like 
give, you have to perform, you have to be good, you have to earn it. And, and now I know that that isn't, that isn't true. And because I know that so solidly in my, in my core, it just frees me up to be in a space to receive. And I'm excited about that. I'm, I am ready to receive and relationships. I've talked a lot about dating with you and dating has taught me so much especially about myself, mostly about myself. Like uh, I need to communicate my needs a lot earlier when I'm in new relationships. That's just something I've never done well because again, I was never really given permission to feel like my needs really mattered. And I was never good at that in my marriage. And I know that caused, it caused a lot of conflict and disappointment and hurt feelings. So it's something that I have been, I've been practicing this last year and I am getting, I'm getting better, but it's baby steps. And, and I have a history of when something doesn't work out the way that I want it to, or, or wish it would, that I can overthink it. I can take it personally. And so again, baby steps, but I've been really working, being very intentional this last year to, to try and not do that and to ask more questions and, and not make assumptions assumptions always get me into trouble. Assumptions always cause me to have a lot more heartache than is necessary. So I have learned this last year that out of love for myself to, to not make those assumptions because, because I don't have to put myself through all of that pain that I have historically done by assuming this person thinks this or doesn't want this or doesn't really care about me or doesn't really have time for me. That's all old, uh, old thinking. It's all old patterns. So yeah, I, I'm ready to receive in relationships. And I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. I'm curious how it's all going to play out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to channel some of that honeymoon stage energy and have more fun around that curiosity than, than having that stress that dating was like in my 20s. So hold me accountable to that. What adds an interesting layer to my dating life is that I practice ethical non-monogamy. And I'm, I'm certain I've told you this before, but ethical non-monogamy is, is where you're dating multiple people at once, not necessarily many, many, but more than one. And all the parties know that no relationship is monogamous. And so being ethically non-monogamous, well, it's been, it's been a real positive experience overall, but it's not exactly been what I thought it would be when I first started dating. I had this grand vision that being ethically non-monogamous would mean that I would have lovers all over the country, you know, one in New York, one in Chicago, one someplace really warm. And I would fly around the country from lover to lover and, and they would fly to me and it would be just so delicious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I've had, I've had plenty of what I call real hometown visits where men have come to visit me and I've gone to visit them. But I've found that people, not all people, but a lot of people who identify or lean into ethical non-monogamy, it's because they're not really looking for deeper relationships. And honestly, it's becoming a little too casual for me. I mean, I, I, I'm not needing, I, I can honestly say I'm not needing monogamy proposals, but I am, I am ready for something deeper with, you know, one or two or, eh, you know, maybe three, three is my limit, but yeah, I'm ready for something deeper in my relationships and I'm really ready to receive Wow, look at me. I am just spilling the tea after dark. Mm. I blame these these stiff imaginary drinks. But uh, 
That was a very long answer to your lovely question. So that's that's how I'm really doing right now in this moment. Thank you for listening. You're such an amazing listener and I so appreciate you. And now I want to hear, I want to hear about your journey because, you know, like I said earlier, we all have them, whether we're married or divorced or almost divorced, dating, thinking about divorce, thinking about marriage. Relationships are tricky. They're also really so fulfilling, especially the one that we have with ourselves. You know, we need to, we need to thank ourselves for taking any risks at all when it comes to relationships and, and for trying new things and being vulnerable and talking about it and, and laughing about it. Right. So let's, let's do that. Let's keep laughing and asking the real questions. And speaking of real questions, I've received some from listeners just like you. So look, our date, it just expanded. I know. Awesome. Which means, which means I need another cocktail. Okay. Okay. First question. This one's funny. This one's good. Okay, here's the question. Sadie, clearly you've been on a lot of dates. What is your craziest dating experience? Okay, I, 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 have, a, I have one that always comes to mind. Years ago, right out of the gate, I think it was November of 2018, so like a month after my divorce, I went to New York City and I, you know, I was having a lot of fun with dating, like I mentioned earlier, and I went on a date with a guy. We had talked a little bit before I arrived and he seemed fun and I was very in this breezy, playful, high energy place and we went on this date and he began to present gifts for me. And if I think the first gift he gave, I think it was like a, a necklace or something. So, you know, I, I didn't bring any gifts. So I was, I was appreciative. But then after he gave me the neck, necklace, suddenly a bracelet appeared. And, and then I began to get a little uncomfortable. And then after the bracelet appeared, he had also had, he had a scarf for me. So he showed up on this first date with three gifts for me. And I, I, I felt so uncomfortable that all I could do was buy him dinner. But I, I remember thinking after that date, what did I, tell this guy for him to think that buying me gifts was a good idea. And maybe that was just his personality, but it overwhelmed me. It was a little much. And so after that, I was very uh, intentional to maybe be more thoughtful about how I was presenting myself in a dating situation. I didn't want people to get the wrong idea. I think he thought that I was maybe more into him than, than I really was, which I realized uh, that's on me. I need to really be careful and thoughtful about what I say and don't say to guys who I'm getting to know, because I can have a very bright energy and be very engaging and ask a lot of questions. And sometimes that has been perceived um, as I'm, I'm maybe ahead of the game, more ahead of the game than I really am. That would be one of my funniest first date stories. Okay. Next question from a listener is what's happening with the podcast? Will there be a season three? Ooh, juicy. Okay, season two. We're still in season two. And it's been a very spicy theme, a lot of out-of-the-box topics. I started the season with a very spicy episode called Three's Company, and I've had a lot of fun this season connecting with great guests, as always. Next month, I will have some more spicy topics, one uh, called The Modern Mrs. Robinson, which is all about the modern-day on-trend theme of older women dating younger men. And this this specific episode, it's with a couple. They've been in a relationship for about a year and a half. And the woman, Lisa, 
is 16 years older than her partner, George. And it was just such a fun conversation. I'm also having a a delicious spicy episode called Friends with Benefits. Mm, Definitely check that out. It might not be what you think it's about. And also this, this season, it's been exciting because I've been doing the Red Room, which is for like-minded women who want to talk about all things sensual and a safe space, non-judgmental space. We had our first meeting earlier this month and it was a lot of fun. We just dove right into the delicious topics. Next month, we have our first sexpert, Dr. Ina Ferguson, and she is going to answer all those awkward bedroom questions and so much more. So if you are curious, become a member, join the Red Room, and we'll see you in April. And also next month, I have a lovely sponsor, Love Joy Fine Arts. And then in May, I have another lovely sponsor, which I will be announcing soon. So there's been a lot of exciting things this season. And I am excited to announce that there will be a season three. That theme will be a little bit different and I'll be announcing that in May. So look for that. Okay. That was fun. Next question. Ooh, this one. Do you and your ex get along? I will say that my ex and I, we have had a journey and our journey has improved because I have done a lot of my own internal work and I no longer uh, play the victim to him. I no longer see uh, things in our relationship as just things that happened to me. I think I made a lot of choices in that relationship that definitely weren't in my best interest. And that relationship will always be one of my biggest lessons and something that I also had, you know, I had a lot of wonderful moments with my ex. Uh, He was very supportive of me and my business and he was my biggest fan for sure when it came to my business. So I think I've definitely changed my mindset around how I view that relationship and it allows me to have a lot more harmony. It allows me to have a lot more empathy when it comes to him. He is just a person like I'm just a person and we all have our strengths and our areas of of growth. Also, you know, when it comes to our kids, we really we really have a great co-parenting relationship. We talk very openly about what's going on with our children. Our children are our priority and their happiness. And so when it comes to co-parenting, we've always we've always done well. And this last Christmas, we had really a lovely time. It was probably the best Christmas we've ever had because I think we're both in better places as individuals. And I remember even giving him a hug and he received that really well. And it was just, it was really lovely to be in a space where I felt so joyful with my family at Christmas and giving him that hug. It just felt really good. Another thing that touched me recently, I just had a birthday in February and my ex, I think his love language, we never really talked about it when we were married, but he always gave me these incredible gifts. So I I think his love language is gifts. And this just last year for my birthday, and it was for my kids, quote unquote, but he, he gave me this generous gift card so that the kids and I could go out for dinner for my birthday. And he also gave me this tool that I could use for my camera. He owns one and I I mentioned to him in passing like, oh, that looks really cool. So he bought one for me and it just, it reminded me of when we were married and how he always gave such thoughtful gifts. It was something I was never really good at, but he always was. And so it was just really touching. I, I was really appreciative of his generosity. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be in a different space with him, really in a space where I can appreciate the happiness that we had in our marriage. And I can own, you know, the moments when I chose to be more victim and, and not use my power and not use my words and, and not make those choices again. And 
you know, not that I haven't at all in relationships, I definitely have had some of that patterning, but I've been much more intentional to break that pattern and to be more empowered in relationships. And I thank my divorce for that because it showed me that, you know, this old path wasn't leading to love or happiness the way that I want to experience both. And so when it comes to my ex, I only have the love. I only have the love. And it's because I love myself so much and being negative about him or hateful towards him only affects me. And I'm I'm not needing that anymore in my life. I am in a different place and it just feels so much better. All right, next spicy after dark question here from a listener. How did you handle explaining your divorce with your children and how are your children doing now? One thing, again, my ex and I did really well when we were consciously uncoupling is we went to a therapist and he gave us great advice to talk to our kids about having two houses. And it wasn't mom's house or dad's house. It was we as a family now have two houses. You have two bedrooms. And I think that felt much better because it it gave our kids two homes. They still had two homes. They didn't just have mom's home and dad's home. So that was one, one thing we did that I'm really happy about. And we've always continued to talk about it that way. Even three and a half years later, we talk about the houses based on their addresses. Well, actually, we call my house that my place the flat because I, you know, wish I was British secretly. <laughs> when I look back now on the first season after divorce and my kids were having their own grief, we we did a lot of what we called family meetings where we met once once a week or once every couple of weeks as a family. And we talked about what was going on in the schedule and, and we did breakfasts together. And we tried to have moments where the kids could see us being amicable and getting along. And they, they always really looked forward to those moments. I know also we, you know, we chose to do a lot of birthdays together and holidays together. I think those things have been beneficial to our kids. I've had the heart to hearts with my kids asking, you know, is this something you still want to do? And they say yes. And I think until they say, no, we don't need to do that anymore. We'll keep doing those shared holidays and, and celebrations just because it it's what they want. I also, when I think about this question, I think about how after my divorce, when I was in such a space of relief and joy and, you know, I'd been through this hard thing and I was ready to move on and I was forcing that, I was forcing that onto my kids. I was wanting them to be as relieved and happy as I was. I look at that now in hindsight and I realize that was just so unfair of me to put that on them. And I didn't really give them permission to have their own process until my daughter who probably at the time was seven, maybe eight. And she said very clearly, you know, mommy, you might be happy, but I'm sad. Her honesty helped me take a step back from my own experience and let her have her own experience. And I remember that was, that was, that was a real game changer in our relationship because we became a lot more honest with each other after that. And I, I really took pause when I felt myself needing for them to be happier and just giving them space to have their feelings. And I'm grateful that I was able to really hear her when she said that to me. And I didn't discount it. I didn't minimize it. I allowed it and just listened. And now when she still has those moments of grief, I really practice, I try and do my best to practice that same 
openness and and receptivity to just letting her have her feelings. And just because she has her feelings doesn't mean that I have to have those same feelings and vice versa. And one thing that I love, because I think now that we have this place of trust, I'm a safe place to her emotionally, is that she'll call me every night before bed and just to tell me about her day when she's at the other house, just to tell me about her day and what went well and what didn't go so well and how she's feeling and that I get to just be in that place of listening and being her mom and loving her unconditionally and being that safe space to her that we all really want. And I, I you know, I don't know in 10 years from now where my kids will be, what they'll think about the divorce, but no matter what, no matter what they think and what they feel, I just want them to know that I, I'm here for them. It's such a journey, isn't it? It's just such a journey, but I feel grateful that, that we can have the honest conversations that we do have. That makes me feel good. Here is my last juicy question. And it is, I have to know, you have to know, I have to know, are you seeing anyone right now? Oh, that is so spicy. Well, I already shared a lot about my dating journey, so I will keep this a little bit shorter. Uh, dating, yeah, such a journey and being ethically non-monogamous. So I've never just had one relationship since my divorce, but I've had different stages of relationship since divorce. So it went from casual to not so casual with guys to more relationshipish. Now I'm I'm kind of moving into uh, maybe just a couple relationships would be my ideal. But I have in the last year, I have had a meaningful relationship that has really shown some light on things that I want to work on around attachment styles. It's shown some light on um, how I I really want to be a better communicator. And again, like I said, not make assumptions. And it's allowed me to take risks that I, I haven't taken in the last three and a half years. So those risks have shown me that, yeah, you can have conflict with someone and you can have your feelings hurt or they can be frustrated with you or um, you can be frustrated with them and you can talk about it and have honest conversation in a very calm, respectful way and work through it and get questions answered and, you know, to have more curiosity. This relationship has really given me a lot of space to grow and do things a little bit differently. And honestly, sometimes in the last year, I've asked myself, do I really want a relationship? I mean, there work, there's some work, right? Lots of internal work, but the alternative, you know, things being so casual, it's just not a fit for me anymore. I want something deeper. So if I'm really ready for that and ready to receive, then I have to keep doing that internal work. So I'm committed to that. And I I really thank this specific relationship for that and this specific man for being, you know, patient with me, me being patient with him and having having a love for each other. I think it's been it's been refreshing to be able to tell someone that I I love him and that he's been able to reciprocate that. And again, it's not projecting too far into the future, but it's just really appreciating the moment and the connection and what that has brought into my life. It's been It's been really special for me. You know, people have asked me and I've even been on other podcasts that have asked me if I ever want to get remarried. And I'm not, I'm not so, I'm not so concerned about marriage, getting remarried. I mean, I've been there. I've done that. I'm just more concerned about how I show up for myself every day, how I talk to myself, how I talk to others, how I put love out into the world through what I say and do or not say or do. And I just don't want to get in my way again, like I did when I was married. 
of my happiness. I think love is so much bigger than just two people. I mean, love is love is everywhere. And when and when I really allow myself to have a broader view of love, then there's always plenty of love. It's never a scarcity issue. Love is all around me and love is in me and I have I have so much love to give and so much love to receive. Wow, can you believe the time? I cannot believe it. It feels like we've been talking for hours. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for tonight and being up after dark with me. It's been, it has been so spicy and delicious. And I, I have loved this conversation uh, over cocktails with you. Seriously, I think, I think we've each had like about five drinks. So it's, it's time to call the Uber and go to bed. But truly, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to open up about my journey, about happiness, about love. My happiness is, it's its so important to me, but your happiness is important to me too. So I want to hear more about it. So keep me, keep me posted on your journey and let's keep asking each other these spicy, delicious questions. All right, you, you go get your Uber and you drive home safe and get some get some really good sleep and I'm going to do the same. Okay. Good night. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this playful life after divorce community by following me on Instagram and Facebook at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net to download Sadie's eight tips to happiness. And you'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. If you found value in today's episode, or if you've been listening to the podcast for some time now, consider being an official sponsor. Just email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also treat me to a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit Buy Me a Coffee com backslash Sadie Marie and you can buy me a cup or two online and I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I'm your host Sadie Marie and I look forward to connecting with you on the next spicy episode. Until then, be sure to treat yourself to some delicious act two fun.